Welcome to the Faculty New Books podcast, covering the latest authors and publications from across the subject spectrum. Descartes is interesting historically and philosophically because he really is in many ways the transitional figure between medieval scholasticism and the new modern philosophy, much of which is continuous with the philosophy that we have today. So one of the ways in which Descartes is important is that he's um, an advocate of the new science, mechanics, which attempts to explain all natural change in terms of three basic laws of motion operating on small particles of matter, what he calls corpuscles, that are differentiated only by size, shape and motion. And those laws operate on those parts of matter in in a way that's blind to their effects, right? So the laws don't intend to produce a capybara here and a clock there and a human being over there and a plant here. They really just operate blindly on these small corpuscles of matter. So one of the challenges for um, a mechanist in the 17th century is to endeavor to explain the regularity and order in nature that we see, particularly in categories like plants and animals where there are reproductive cycles and there's sort of repeated forms throughout nature. Now, Descartes stands in stark opposition to Aristotle, who was at the, at the cusp of the 17th century, the dominant figure in uh, universities and Jesuit schools, but was also mightily influential on church doctrine. And the the kind of uh, mechanical philosophy that Descartes advocated was radically different from the Aristotelian worldview. So for Aristotle, all natural objects are composites of matter and what he calls substantial form. The substantial form of a capybara, capybara hood, is what makes the capybara to be the very thing it it is and explains its distinctive or characteristic behaviours. In contrast to this picture, you know, Descartes wants to eliminate all reference to these substantial forms. He finds them occult, mysterious and unnecessary. He thinks instead you can exchange, explain all of the differentiation that there is in the world in terms of these basic laws of mechanics. So the interesting thing from my perspective is just the the shift in these very different worldviews. Aristotle's ontology, his theory of what there is in the world, is very much in alignment with our common sense understanding of the world, our common sense categories. So Aristotle would distinguish between kinds of things like capybaras and you know, oak trees and so on. And it doesn't look like on Descartes' picture you can you can do that because you don't have reference to these substantial forms. Another interesting um, aspect of the Aristotelian view is the fact that there's a special category of substantial forms for organic things, namely plants and animals. And that was referred to as suke in the Greek or anima in the Latin, and it was translated translates into English as soul. And soul, the soul is the substantial form of an organic being. It's that which animates matter and explains its capacity for self-motion. So you have um, in the Aristotelian worldview a distinction between living things and non-living things, which is metaphysically robust. Uh, on Descartes' picture, what you have instead is, is rather 
uh, a picture in which there's no distinction fundamentally between living and non-living things. Animals and plants he refers to as machines and they're no different from the machines that were being produced by humans at the same time, namely clocks and fountains and, and other automata. I mean, it was a blooming period for, for a flourishing period for, for automata. There were wonderful little mechanical devices being made at the time. And Descartes thought they just operated on exactly the same principles as plants and, and animals. So ultimately, all things in nature should be reducible or explained in terms of the basic categories of Descartes' physics. Uh, now, the problem that, that I've been addressing over the last 10 years or so is really the problem of what to do with the categories of ordinary experience, right? Is there any room within Descartes' philosophy for you know, our ontology of everyday life? our clocks, our automata, our, our capybaras, our cats, our plants, and so on. Uh, or, all, are, or are all these categories simply eliminated given the, you know, the very sparse ontology and um, physical system that he is uh, working within? Now, the problem is that, you know, a lot of people think that Descartes is a reductionist, that he is just eliminating all these categories of um, ordinary experience. But the problem is, is that there's a lot of texts in which Descartes not only makes reference to these objects, but also engages in a mode of explanation, which seems to cut against that very reductionist uh, tendency. So, for example, he talks about, uh, you know, he's engaged in doing dissections of, of animals and he talks about, the, you know, the organic structures of animal bodies and he refers to the functions of those structures of animal bodies. So he's particularly interested, for example, in the functions of the heart. He'll describe, you know, the difference between the valves and the ventricles and so on and explain their functions. He's interested in how the blood circulates in the body and nourishes the parts of the body to explain growth. He makes some references to reproduction. And, um, but he's particularly interested in embryogenesis, so how a full-fledged organism develops from, you know, a very small, uh, you know, collection of, of, of parts. Um, so he's interested in, in explaining that, that structural development. And he makes references to these parts. He talks about not just particles of matter or corpuscles, but also these uh, arrangements. And the question is, what do these, what does his reference to arrangements signify? What does his reference to functions uh, signify? So I've been working on this for some time, and I've also collaborated with uh, Professor Calvin Normore uh, from the University of California, Los Angeles recently. Uh, we wrote a book called Descartes and the Ontology of er Everyday Life, where we're really attempting to explore these issues in Descartes' broader scientific picture, like what to say about his work in anatomy and physiology and so on, and, and whether that leaves us with this sort of reductionist eliminativist, eliminativist position or something a bit richer. And, and our view is that you can um, make a coherent story um, about a richer ontology, that you can allow that these objects like plants and animals and so on, have a status that is not reducible to the parts of which they're composed. 
Okay, so um, what do we draw on in making this case? Well, um, fundamentally, we look at those texts in Descartes' corpus, which refer to complex composites of, of corpuscles that seem to have identity conditions different from those of the parts of which they're composed. So, for example, you know, the human being, which is a composite of mind and body, you know, famous, famously, we know Descartes to be a dualist, to think that mind and body are two really distinct, as he puts it, substances, that is, each can exist without one another. So each of us as human beings is not a single unified entity, it seems, but rather a composite of mind and body. And, and, but Descartes wants to say that nonetheless, those, the human being, those composites of mind and body, have a nature that is distinct from the natures of their uh, essential parts, namely mind and body. And so he'll, he'll use this language of nature, right, as something which a composite can have that is not reducible to the natures, the sum of the natures of its essential parts. The human being is one instance. But we also find him using this talk about these distinct natures in regards to animals and also complex geometrical figures, which suggests to us that he really isn't reducing these complex composites to their, you know, their essential or integral parts, right? that he's got, a, he's got a different kind of ontology. And with respect to his work in anatomy and physiology, what we also see him doing is that he doesn't take, you know, a, a complex phys uh, physical object like a, a tree or, a, you know, or an animal and, you know, reduce the explanation of that thing straight down to the level of the physics. You don't, you don't get those objects subsumed directly under the laws of nature. But rather what you get is an intermediate level of explanation a functional analysis, right? So you look at the at the the larger parts of these organisms or structures, and you explain how those parts, in doing what they do, contribute to how other parts of the organism do what they do, right? So it's a kind of functional analysis. But you see these parts, which are different, doing different things, but they're kind of organized or coordinated with one another, so that together they explain the, the behavior and functioning of the whole organism. And it's the same model of explanation that you would engage in if you took, for example, a clock or an automaton and you took it apart and did some reverse engineering to explain how, in terms of what the smaller parts do, you can explain how what the larger part does. So, so we see these, these kinds of explanations operating within Descartes, and they suggest that, that this intermediate level of analysis or functional analysis is not indispensable to Descartes' mode of explanation. And it signifies that these functions are something real, right? And the parts which perform these, um, so these functions are something real. So we have to take seriously the existence and the functions of these of these. Uh, larger organic parts in explaining the behavior of a whole organism or a clock. Now, in, in doing this, Descartes makes a distinction between different kinds of composites. Uh, one composite is, is just the sum of its parts, and that would be something like a heap, say, take a heap of sand or a heap of stones. The, the behavior and identity of that 
composite is going to be entirely reducible to the physics. It's going to be able to be, its behaviour is going to be able to be subsumed directly under the laws of motion and impact. And it just is what it is, the sum of its parts. And if those parts change, it's a different thing, right? So the identity of those sorts of heaps, if you like, uh, depend entirely on what they're composed of. Change one of those parts and you change the whole composite. Now, Descartes distinguishes that kind of composite from these other kinds of composites that I've just described, where the thing is not just a collection of its, of its parts, it's composed of material parts. And so in some sense, it's nothing over and above those parts, but the arrangements of those parts give them a kind of status that they, that if they were just a heap of parts in a different kind of arrangement, they wouldn't have that same sort of status. So if, for example, you, you know, you divided a cat up into all its little parts, right, you would no longer have a cat, something would go out of nature, right? Whereas if you divide up a heap of stones, right, you, you just have, you know, two heaps of stones or three heaps of stones or whatever it might be. So, so the, the upshot of, of all this is that there are some composites that have, it seems, identity conditions distinct from, from um, the identity conditions that any old collection of their parts would have. And this explains in part why, you know, um, organic things can, for example, grow and undergo replacement of their parts. There's something that persists in this case, the, the structure of a cat, and there's something that changes, namely the parts of which it's composed. And, you know, Descartes thinks we just, you know, we have to recognise this fact and be able to explain it in our physics. So this is the sort of the foundation, if you like, uh, for, for thinking that Descartes does not have a reductionist, eliminativist um, foundation in his metaphysics. And we explore you know, not just what that means for his work in anatomy and physiology, but what it means for his broader ontology. So it, in terms of the uh, implications and consequences of this view that we've been working on for quite some time now, one of the, the principal outcomes, I think, of the project is, I mean, I guess, first and foremost, first and foremost, you, sorry about this, so in terms of the implications or consequences uh, of our view, one of the, the principal outcomes is that you end up with a very richer ontology than you might otherwise um, have thought from reading uh, Descartes or having this very simple-minded view of Descartes as being a dualist who just thinks there are minds and these tiny corpuscles of matter. If we're correct, then then Descartes' worldview includes many of the the objects of our everyday experience that includes animals includes plants it also includes the human being as an integrated entity with a nature of its own right it isn't just a heap of a mind and a body or a mind and bodies right so we end up with we end up with a very different picture of what the human being is and we also extend this analysis of cartesian composites to make sense of objects in what we call the social and political ontology. So things like families or nation states or, uh, you know, composites of, of humans and the, the, you know, the tools or artifacts that they use to create new forms of life take on a new status in our picture of Descartes' worldview. 
And and so I think also I think finally, you know, one of the implications of our view is that you you end up with a very aside from this very different and richer uh, ontology. Um, Descartes has more, if you like, to contribute to contemporary theorising about ordinary objects and about the relationship between different levels of explanation in science, between, for example, the basic sciences of physics and the special sciences of, say, biology and psychology and so on. So that's one of the things that, that um, I and my work and with my collaborators are endeavouring to show is that we still have lessons to learn from René Descartes.